0: The message is the rapture of the church. This is the next uh, uh, distinctive of Calvary Chapel that we're studying. Tonight we will study that which uh, continuing in the spirit and not moving into the flesh as God does the work. But the rapture of the church is something very important. Paul the Apostle writing to uh, Titus, Titus 2.13 said that uh, it is called the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The blessed hope is the return of Jesus Christ for his church uh, and removing her from the earth prior to the seven-year tribulation and great tribulation that is to come upon the entire earth. Now, not all Christians believe that God will remove the church prior to the seven years. But if you take a different stance from the one that I'm showing you and, and believe is the accurate one, then you will interpret prophecy and, st- and key verses completely wrong, in fact, entire books like the book of First Thessalonians. So wh- what you believe about the rapture will depend on how you view much of prophetic scripture. Today there is a new mindset in the emergent church. The church uh, um, is being redefined and doctrine is being ignored. The new post-modern uh, Christian um, and Christianity does not believe in any objective truth that can be learned from the Bible. In fact, they say that there's no sense in trying. So they interpret everything subjectively and culturally under the guise of trying to be more like Jesus and spend time with sinners, just like Jesus did. Well, that sounds good, but you're not Jesus. Uh, the new postmodern Christianity takes great liberties, and you have uh, heard them, you've on their own pulpits, whether you visit their websites, they cuss from the from the pulpit, they drink, they have no problem telling you they have beer bashes with their elders and all that. And they act just like the world, and yet if that's the reason. Then why did I need to repent? The new postmodern Christianity is more interested in social issues to help people make themselves comfortable. And um, rather than preaching the gospel of the truth of Jesus Christ, the gospel of repentance, and the constant Reminder that Jesus is returning first for his church and then to set up the kingdom. All of this is avoided. Prophecy is uh, looked down upon. So there is a rise from within the church today to oppose the teaching of the rapture. So in view of this, I want to examine the doctrine of the rapture through a threefold lens. First, the early church fathers on the rapture. Very important. Second, the four different views on the rapture. And third and last, the overwhelming evidence of pre-millennial, pre-tribulation rapture. That's what we believe. We believe that Jesus can come back right now to take us before the tribulation begins. And of course, that would preclude before the millennial because the millennial millennial follows the uh, seven-year tribulation. And so let's begin with uh, the early church fathers. On the rapture. Now, this is important because we understand that the, the, the basis for doctrine is the Bible, but I'm going to show you that the Bible teaches the rapture. But let's let's begin with the with the church fathers. What did they believe? Uh, the usual argument against the teaching of the rapture of the church is twofold. First, <clears throat> that the rapture was invented by James Darby, a Plymouth Brethren br- pastor of 1800 to 1882, and though the statement is false. It is true that he brought back and made it popular again, but he didn't invent it. I'll show you who invented it as we move down. And he didn't invent it, he declared it. But second thing is that the teaching of the rapture is a recent doctrine. Now, all these things people say, they don't hold any water to Scripture. This is a false statement, being historically and scripturally inaccurate. The first person to teach the rapture, hang out to your seats. It's Jesus. John fourteen one through 3. Stop being afraid. If my, uh, uh, my, stop being afraid. Of my, if you believe, uh, believe in my God the Father, you believe also me. My Father's house are many abiding places. If it weren't so, I would have told you. If I go, I go to prepare a place where, the, where I am, there you may be also. And if I go, I will come back. Listen. To receive you to myself, you must make a distinction between him receiving us to himself and him coming back with us to set up the kingdom. Simple, all right? And we'll see this through this. Also, Paul taught the rapture. We're going to see that in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse sixteen through seventeen. We will be caught up, harpasto, suddenly, violently in the clouds. And then John taught the rapture in um, uh, Revelation three ten says, he will keep it from the hour." that will come upon the entire earth dwellers. We are not earth dwellers. We're heavenly citizens. Study chapter 4 and chapter 5. We're in heaven. Study the song so you know it. Make sure you're on your face, not standing. Your crown's at his feet. Simple. Now, the credentials of the early church fathers is important. Uh, The first century church fathers were disciples of the apostles. So in other words, you hear from me every Sunday things that I say. So when somebody says, well, you know, I've heard Xavier say this, you say, no, that's not what he says. Now, I'm going to believe these guys, if they are repeating what the scriptures say, then guys 2,000 years out of the road that have PhDs or whatever movement it is says that is not biblical. Okay, so listen to the credentials. Justin Martyr and Irenaeus studied under Polycarp. Polycarp worked with the Apostle John for over 20 years in ministry. Irenaeus also testified he occasionally saw the Apostle John himself. From Papias in 70 AD to Lactanius about 285, 70 to 285 AD, including Tertullian and Origen, the doctrine of the church father was pre-millennialist. Till the 4th century when they began to teach a millennialist, called schism of Nepos. amillennials millennial is thousand. A means no. So for the first 4 centuries, the church fathers taught that Jesus was coming back for his church in the rapture. And it would be before the millennial kingdom. 400 years, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the early church fathers taught the rapture. Irenaeus. 130 to 202 AD, on the subject of the rapture, he wrote, quote, Those nations, however, who do not of themselves rise up their eyes unto heaven, nor return thanks to their maker, nor wish to behold the light of the truth, but who were like blind mice concealed in the depths of ignorance, the, world, the word justly reckoned, listen carefully, I'm quoting, as waste waters from the sink and as the turning weight of the balances, in fact, as nothing, and here he says, and therefore, when in the end, the church shall be suddenly caught up from this. There's the rapture. 130 to 202. It is said, there shall be tribulation such as not been since the beginning, neither shall be. For this is the last contest of the righteous in which when they overcome, they will be crowned in, with incorruption. That's against heresy um, 529. If you care to look it up. Victorianus. A.D. 240 in his commentary on the book of Revelation clearly shows that uh, he believed in the rapture. And I'm quoting, and I saw another great and wondrous sign, seven angels having the seventh last plagues, for in them is the completed and uh, word of God, oh, the wrath of God, I'm sorry. Revelation 15, 1, and these shall be in the last time when the, listen, church shall have gone out of the midst. And he quotes 2 Thessalonians 2.7. Out from the myth. That's rapture. Cyprian, AD 220 to 258, wrote the treaties of Cyprian describing the end times of the great tribulation. Listen carefully, I'm quoting. We who see the terrible things have begun, and now the still more terrible things are imminent. May regard it as the greatest advantage to depart from it as quickly as possible. Do you not give God thanks? Do you not congratulate yourself? Now listen carefully, that by an early departure you are taken away and delivered from the shipwrecks and disasters that are imminent. That's rapture. Let us greet the day with a signs which assigns each of us to his own home, which snatches us hence. And sets us free from the snares of the world and restores us to the paradise of the kingdom. You can't miss them. You can't mistake them. We see the use of language commonly found in reference to the rapture. As Cyprian describes the judgments of the end times as imminent. And he makes his brief uh, his belief on the time of the rapture when he writes to the Corinthians uh, that we'll have an early departure. So eminence and early departure and to be delivered from devastating global judgment to come during the day of the Lord. So they confirm exactly what Jesus taught, what Paul taught, what John taught. Cyprian in, uh, is in line with the apostle Paul then. Uh, who wrote that God has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ? He says this in First Thessalonians five nine and Romans five nine. Cyprian expresses joy and encourages <clears throat> the believing reader to rejoice that the church will be taken away. His words before the disastrous, disastrous great tribulation. So the context is very important. People can quote people, but if they take it out of context, they can make and say anything they want. Okay. Wesley used to say a, a text out of context is nothing but a pretext. Okay. So that's real simple. In addition, Cyprian re- refers, uh, refers to the mansions which the Lord Jesus Christ promises uh, to come back and to take his uh, believers to himself. Uh, again, I quoted John 14, 1 through 3. Jesus, the first one to say it. He says, Not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my father's house are many abiding places or mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for her. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself where I am, there you may be also. To himself, he receives us. That's rapture. Removal before the tribulation and great tribulation. Now, the early church fathers saw and taught the age of grace distinct. From the tribulation and great tribulation. So there's a distinction made. The seven-year tribulation starts at the rapture of the church. Till the second coming of Jesus where he establishes the kingdom. Seven years. The period is divided into two halves very clearly. By, the, by three increments. So that there can be no way of missing or mistaking the literalness of those increments. The increment of 1,260 days is given in Revelation 11, 3. The increment of 42 months is given in Revelation 11, 2, and 3, and 13:5. And 42 months is three and a half years. 1,260 days, three and a half years. And the third and last one is the increment of three and a half years. Matthew 24:15, Daniel 9, and Revelation 12, 4. Three different increments to indicate three and a half years. The period is also divided into two phrases. Tribulation, first three and a half years. Great tribulation, the last three and a half years. The first three and a half years is false peace, deception by the Antichrist. The great tribulation, the last three and a half years, is absolute rule by the Antichrist as a tyrant, from hell with all authority from satan the period is called the day of god's wrath under three series of judgments in Revelation chapter 6 to 19 the seven seals will be opened, the seven trumpets will be sounded and the seven bowls or vials depending on your translation will be poured out on the earth all indicated the wrath of god directly from heaven upon the earth now, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.9, 1 Thessalonians 5.9, very, very clear. The Lord will return with his church and wage war against those who have gathered together in the valley of Megiddo for the battle of Armageddon. And then he will judge the nations on how they treated the Jew and set up the kingdom. Jesus will reign for a thousand years on the earth. Revelation 20, verse one three five 3, 5, and 7 are very clear. Satan will be bound for a thousand years, Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3 and 7. And the rule of Jesus will be characterized as a rod of iron, absolute rule, but a just rule. Revelation 2, 27, 12, 5, and 19, 5. Now, the church will rule and reign with Christ, we who have been raptured for a thousand years, and... It will be over all those who did not take the mark of the beast on the right hand of their forehead. And they have survived. And those that will be raised because they are beheaded for their faith. And they will occupy the, um, the kingdom. Israel will occupy all the land promised to her and receive all the promises both in the Old and the New Testament. It began with the promise to Abraham in Genesis fifteen eighteen about the land. It moves all through the Old Testament. Isaiah 11, uh, Jeremiah 31, 33, Ezekiel 36, Matthew 25, Revelation. uh, Just gives it all out. You can't miss it all the way around. Now, the white throne judgment is at the end of the thousand years. And that is for the non-believer. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. There, every person who has ever rejected the gospel... And died without Jesus Christ, will be judged for their sins, for everything they've ever done. And they will be assigned the degree of punishment according to the degree and measure of light they received. Because God is just. If God's going to reward us on this side, then God has to punish on levels on this side. He's not just going to punish everybody the same. There's no way. So, all that I've described is called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord begins when the rapture takes place. Russia attacks. God destroys five, six, that army. The Antichrist appears. First three and a half years. Deception through the Antichrist. Declares himself God in the middle. The abomination, desolation, as we'll see. Last three and a half years. Great tribulation. He persecutes Israel. As we'll see, she'll flee to the wilderness. Jesus returns with the church at the end of the three, the seven years. We sit, we fight the battle with him. We'll really, we won't do anything. We'll just follow. He'll fight him, destroy him. He'll, Judge the nations, set up the kingdom, a thousand-year reign. At the end of the thousand-year reigns is the white throne judgment. No Christian is the white throne judgment. That's for non-believers, okay? That's all the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord starts at one time, but there's a lot of events in it. Now, the early church fathers believed and taught the rapture of the church prior to the tribulation and millennium. All right? So Calvary Chapel believes and teaches what the early church fathers taught, a pre-millennial, pre-tribulation view of the rapture. Therefore, we do view prophetic scripture different than others. We take it literal and we take it in its context. Very important. Second is the four different views of the rapture. And, and this is, I give to you to show you that I'm not trying to snow you so you understand the different viewpoints. First, there are those who believe and teach that the church will be removed from the earth um, three and a half years after the seven years begins. Uh, this is called mid-trib view of the rapture, mid-trib tribulation. The first problem is that it interprets the last week of Daniel, Daniel nine twenty seven his prophecy Um, um, which is literal, and they spiritualize the first half of the week in order to put the church in the tribulation. Now, you either interpret the entire time literal or symbolic. You can't interpret the first half literal and symbolic and then vice versa the other way. It's got to be one or the other. The second problem is that a a three-and-a-half-year mark Given for the removal, the church tells you it is wrong. Jesus gave signs of his second coming, not the rapture, for it is imminent. So Daniel nine twenty seven, Matthew twenty four fifteen, Jesus gives you the middle mark of the seven years, the abomination of desolation. Uh, Revelation eleven two thirteen five also. Now, then there are those who believe the rapture or the church will be removed from the earth. At the end of the seven years of tribulation, which would be the great tri- the end of the great tribulation. These are called post-tribulationists, okay? These individuals interpret the book of Revelation as historically fulfilled. They're called preterists, which is spiritualizing, or they treat it as yet future and spiritualize the literalness of the events in order to harmonize with their interpretation. Again, the set time of the removal is inconsistent with the words of Jesus. The removal of the church at the end of the seven years would remove from the earth all believers. Think up with me. Then who would occupy the thousand year race besides Israel? If it's at the end, there's no one to occupy the kingdom except Israel. What do you do with that? The removal would also not allow time for the judgment of believers in heaven. The presentation of the bride to Christ and the marriage of the Lamb. Do you realize when we're rapture, we go before the bema seed of Christ to be rewarded for the motive of why and how we did the things. We are the bride of Christ. We have the marriage. And then we come back for the honeymoon for the millennial kingdom. So what do you do with that? Big problem. The removal would also not make much sense being raptured at the end up just to immediately come down. What was the purpose of that? And again, you're omitting the beam of seed of Christ. Then there are those who have added to the confusion in the 90s declaring the church will be removed three-quarters through the seven-year tribulation, called pre-wrath rapture by Rosen, what's his name? Uh, Marvin Rosenthal. Um, As if there wasn't enough confusion. The set time for removal would once again refute it. The understanding of the day of the Lord that I've explained to you is understood wrong. He puts it as beginning three-quarters through instead of at the beginning. The teaching is inconsistent with the 70th week of Daniel, Daniel 9.27. Now, the interesting thing about Marvin Rosenthal, he used to be pre-trib, pre-med, and he moved into three-quarters. It happens. Those who believe the church will be removed from the earth prior to the seven years of the tribulation are called... Pre-tribulation. That's what you and I are if you believe what we believe as Calvary Chapel. The teaching is consistent with the 70th week of Daniels from 924 down to 927. 927 is the only one left to be fulfilled, the 70th. The teaching treats the book of Revelation literal, historical, and symbolic as the context dictates. This is important when you interpret Scripture. Scripture. The imminent return of Christ for his church recognizes he can come back at any minute. No man knows the day or the hour. Therefore, we are to watch and to pray, to be accounted, kind of worthy to escape. All these things will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke twenty-one thirty-six. So this is what we believe and teach. That we are ready to be received by the Lord. We are looking. We are watching. And there's nothing that precludes his coming for us all prophecy has been fulfilled ready to receive us to himself and as we look to the world all that's going on you know when I was first born again in 1973 I never thought I'd get married I did get married then I didn't think I'd have kids time for kids I did have kids I never thought I'd see them grow up they did grow up am I disappointed nope I'm more excited and I'm more convinced now than ever before the Lord's coming and if you're not you're in trouble So Calvary Chapel recognizes that there are four different viewpoints of the teaching of the rapture, but only believe and teach pre-tribulation view of the rapture. It's the one with the least amount of problems, and it fits all the way through it. If you interpret everything in its context, when it's literal, literal, when it's symbolic, figurative, symbolic or figurative. Now, thirdly, and this is where we'll spend the bulk of our study, The overwhelming evidence for pre-millennial, pre-tribulation. First, the nature of the church is in contrast to Israel. You have to see this. The church is comprised of Jew and Gentile, one in Christ Jesus, as you know. Israel was made up of Jews with some proselytes. Ephesians 2, 14 through 15, Colossians 3, 1 tells us very clearly, Jew and Gentile, one in Christ Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, um, but we're one in Christ Jesus. No male, no female, no bond, no free, nothing. Makes no distinction. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Um, The church was a mystery concealed in the Old Testament, as you know. Not that Gentiles would not be blessed in salvation because God told Abraham, and you shall all the families of the earth be blessed in Genesis twelve three, But that the Jew and Gentile would be made up of one body, that's what was the mystery. Romans 16, 25 through 27, Ephesians 3, 1 through 7, Colossians 1, 26 through 29. Jew and Gentile won. The Jews hated the Gentile. Gentile hated the Jews. We think we have a problem with white and black. We're nothing compared to Jew and Gentile. The Jew believed the Gentiles were created by God just to kindle the fire. Hell. How's that? The church is called the bride of Christ. A virgin. Israel is called the wife of God. Having been put away by divorce. Jeremiah 3, one. I hope you know the difference between a virgin and one who has been married. Okay? Don't confuse them. If you do, you won't make a good husband. Those who attempt to make... The woman in the book of Revelation, the church, have a bigger problem. That woman is pregnant in Revelation 12 4. Who is she? She's Israel who gives birth to Messiah who's caught up. The church is a virgin. You're going to say that the church is pregnant? What an insult to God. Unless you want to make the other woman the church. That's the heart of the Babylon. There's only two women in the book of Revelation. <laughs> This is called replacement theology that teaches that the church is Israel today and that God is through with Israel. It's unbiblical. Fuller Cemetery teaches that. And so does every seminary. There might be a few, a handful, but most Christian colleges teach that and the majority of churches. Therefore, they interpret all the promises to Israel. They ascribe them to the church. Absolutely crazy. Now, Paul the Apostle said in Romans nine, ten, eleven, Gentiles, church, don't boast. If God cut off Israel, He can cut you off. There's a remnant. God is going to deal with Israel again. Very clear. What do you do with those three chapters? Just three there's a lot more, but just those three chapters that he gives specifically. Israel will be protected by God. From the Antichrist for the last three and a half years of tribulation, the great tribulation, as she flees to the wilderness to the city of Petra, Isaiah 16 1 through 4 and Revelation 12, 14 tell the very clearly. The church is being built by Jesus until the church age is closed. As Jesus rejected Israel until the church age is closed. So Jesus said it himself, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. Paul, in Romans 11, 11 through 24, the Gentiles were grafted in like a wild olive branch. And Israel was rejected because of unbelief. The Lord, in his triumphal entry, as he drew near to Jerusalem, as you know, he wept, saying, If you had known, listen carefully, if you had known, even you especially, in this, your day... The things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. And he pronounced judgment over her. Luke 19, 42, four. In this, your day, the things that were prepared for you. You missed them, Israel. He was talking about the fulfillment of the first 69 weeks of Daniel. Daniel nine twenty four through 26. 483 years to the day. 173,880 days from March 14, 445 BC to April the 6th, 32 AD when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on donkey based on a 360 biblical calendar study Genesis, not 365. And Jesus fulfilled it exactly to the day. There's only one week left That first part was interpreted literally by a multiple of sevens, so you have to multiply by seven one week. Seven. One times seven? Seven. That's what's left. Not only that, the weapons that will be used by Israel after God destroys the Russian army, they use it for seven years. Not seven years in one day. Seven years. The Lord Jesus wept over Jerusalem and rejected the Jews. Listen, your house is left to you desolate, and you shall see me no more until you say, "Blessed are who comes in the name of the Lord." Matthew twenty-three thirty-eight through thirty-nine. He wept. The first church council recognizes basic and simple truth by the mouth of James in Acts fifteen thirteen through seventeen. Listen to Peter. Simon has declared how God at the first visit the Gentiles to take out for themselves the people for his name. That's the church. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written after, after the church, this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, Israel, which has fallen down and I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. The first council of the early church recognized the difference between Israel being put aside, the church being brought in, and then God would come back to rebuild Israel. Very, very clear. The contrast and distinction between Israel and the church are many, from the type of covenant to the promises of their inheritance. Um, Schaefer has listed 24 of them. And you can just mark them. They're so distinct. Now, the nature of the church age is also in contrast to the nature of the tribulation time. The church age is characterized by grace through the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross for the sins of the world. The tribulation period is characterized by God's wrath for, from his throne. Big difference. John three sixteen, we're saved to escape that. Second Corinthians five twenty one, he was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteous in him. Revelation throughout the book is very clear. The wrath of God from the throne of God upon this godless and godforsaken world. The Old Testament calls it the time of distress, indignation, affliction. Listen to the sermon Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah thirty verse seven. Jacob, that's Israel. His name was changed to Israel. Jacob's trouble. Seven years. The wrath of God fell on Christ and our place. Therefore, he has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Romans 5.9, 1 Thessalonians 5.9. Okay? The church is to pray for their enemies and forgive them. Yet, those that are martyred under the fifth seal during the great tribulation, listen how they pray. How long, O Lord? Till you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Revelation six ten, Matthew five forty four says, "We're to pray, Father, forgive them." Wow. If you pray like the tribulation saints, that's sent to you. Lord, just break their teeth in their mouth. You can't pray like that. You're the church. You're to pray for your enemies. Wow. The promise to the church. Is that in the world she would have tribulations, but this is distinct from the special hour that will come upon all earth dwellers that the church has promised to be kept from in Revelation three ten. The article is there: the hour. First Thessalonians one ten also confirms this. Jesus, we coming back with him for him to pour out his wrath upon the ungodly world. In fact, the word "ek" from is the word "ek" in, in Greek. It means to guard and to cause one to escape in safety out of whatever is the subject. If the word had been en, then it would mean that it would cause to preserve us to stand firm in a thing. Jesus rolls out, "ek" from the dead. The rest were still there. He was pulled out, ek, from the dead. We are to be called out from this world, ek, very same word. Our hope is Jesus, not heaven, And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, or anything else. Wherever Jesus is, I want to be there. All right? If Jesus was in hell, I want to go to hell. I want to be where Jesus is. Is that clear? This is very clear by Paul in Philippians three twenty one twenty through twenty one about changing our vile body, Colossians two three, First Thessalonians four thirteen, and many many others. Now, there's also the nature of the removal of the church in contrast to the return of Jesus Christ. So the rapture is very much different from the second coming. Listen to Romans 11.25 as he's speaking about the Jews in contrast to the church. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile has come in. The complete number of people to be saved comprise the church. In Luke 21.24, it says, Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles. Listen, till the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled, which is not the same... um, as the term fullness of the Gentile. Time of the Gentiles began with Babylon, the head of gold, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and it ends with the ten toes of iron and clay, Daniel chapter 2 and 7. So the apostle Paul is talking about the fullness of the Gentile, the sum total of people to be saved before the rapture. The time of the Gentile in Romans and Luke 12 21, 24, speaks of the end. The last government of the Antichrist, the ten toes. So, fullness of the Gentile is the sum total of people to be saved for the rapture. Time of the Gentile takes us to the end of the seven year tribulation. Is that clear? The removal of the church is to judge Israel to prepare her for her Messiah. As the prophet Zechariah uh, tells us in Zechariah uh, chapter 12 verse 10, it says, Then they will, um, Look on me, whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and grieve for the as a firstborn. Also in Zechariah 13, 8, 9, it says two of three Jews will be killed by the Antichrist. Listen, the Antichrist will make Hitler look like a Girl Scout. Horrible. I don't say that with any laughter or any joy. He will kill two of three Jews, Zechariah says. Great deception. The second coming is to judge the ungodly and to set up the kingdom. Paul reminded Thessalonians of the vengeance of God at his second coming in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 through 10. Flaming fire, he says. Jude says, Enoch prophesied from the Lord and is coming to execute judgment on the ungodly with 10,000 of his saints. Verse 14 of Jude. There's only one chapter. Jesus said he would judge the nations as sheep from the goat in Matthew 25, 31 to 34. The basis of that judgment is how did the people treat the Jew during the tribulation and great tribulation. Context, context, context. Matthew 24, 25 is Jewish ground. The church is nowhere there. I'll show you that. The psalmist and John give us a sneak preview of the Battle of Armageddon as Jesus returns with his bride to strike the nations as a sword comes from his mouth. The previews in Psalm 2 Why do the heathen rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing? I will have them in derision. And the, and the psalm ends, Kiss the son, lest he be angry with you. If you were a Catholic, you know what I'm talking about. Worship. You kiss your idol, right? Devotion. Revelation 19 11 through 16. Gives you the actual battle. Wow. Then there's the nature of the language for the removal of the church. It's unmistakable. The privilege of the rapture is to escape physical death and to be caught up with the bodies of the departed saints in the clouds, as Paul explains to the believers that were worried about their dead loved ones that had died. How do they fit in? Are they going to miss out? By the way, in First Thessalonians. Paul mentions the rapture every chapter, every chapter. And he focuses on it specifically in chapter 4, as we'll see. Every chapter mentions it. That's not the second coming, it's the rapture. Paul spent in Thessalonians, do you realize, only three weeks, and yet he taught about the rapture. Specifics about the Antichrist that we have nowhere else, except in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And now we have Brian Broderson, the pastor of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, telling us to lighten up on prophecy, to notch it down. Now I think we'll notch you down. Wow, what a change! The word there in First Thessalonians four seventeen is the word "caught up." We shall be harpozo. It means suddenly, violently, to claim oneself or something eagerly. Of the 13 times that word appears in the New Testament, it has the same meaning, suddenly, jolting, and it has the communication of something being removed from one location to another miraculously. People say, well, the word rapture never found in the Bible. Where do you get it? Well, it comes from the Latin, the word rapiri, because it comes from the Latin Vulgate. The counterpart here is the word harpazo suddenly violently of the 13 times it always appears in that context with the understanding of translocation of an object let me just give you some philip was baptizing the ethiopian eunuch remember and he was harpazo to azotus acts 8 39 miraculously taken suddenly violently paul was harpazo to the third heaven second corinthians 12 2 suddenly violently Satan harpozoed the word from men's heart. Matthew 13:19. From the earth to the sky, out of their hearts, suddenly, violently. The woman's child is harpozoed to God. The woman Israel in Revelation 12:5. Suddenly, violently. He just kept going on the sky, in the clouds. <laughs> the rest of them, all thirteen, communicate the same thing. The clouds always refer to a theophonic divine glory. Exodus, Kings, Daniel, Matthew—anywhere you find it. Now, the purpose of the rapture is to meet the Lord in the air. First Thessalonians 4:17 says, meaning the word, the phrase means to encounter and is used of a formal reception for royal magistrates going out to meet them and accompanying them back. On the final part of the journey. It appears three other times. That's all. One of them. Is in Acts twenty-eight fifteen. Once a believer. Meet meeting Paul. At his port. If you remember in Acts. Entered at Rome. And they accompanied him the rest of the way. There's the word. The other two times is Matthew 25 13, for those who went out to meet the bridegroom to attend the wedding in the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Now, this parable is used often for teaching the imminent return of Jesus Christ and the rapture. I do not believe that. This is where I differ. Matthew 25 and 24 go together. If you look at Matthew 24, Jesus divides the tribulation and great tribulation. The middle of Mark is 24, 15, the abomination. At the end of 24, Jesus has already returned. Jesus said, like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Chapter 25 is a continuation of the Olivet Discourse that began in chapter 24. Jesus had uh, been uh, given, he gave signs about his second coming and the end of the age, culminating in his physical return to the earth. So Matthew 24 and 25 is the second coming, not the rapture. Jesus continues speaking at the end of 24 because he has just rewarded the faithful and not rewarded the evil servant in 45 to 51 of chapter 24. The first verse of chapter 25, it says, then, it's a time word, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. Then when? When Christ has returned. Context, context, context. The context of chapter 25 is the second return of Christ. It is still Jewish ground. The people involved are the Jews who will accept Jesus in the tribulation and great tribulation, not the church. Enoch and Elijah are parallels to the rapture uh, to the raptured believer to meet the Lord in the air in Genesis five twenty four and 2 Kings two eleven. Many times people say Enoch and Elijah are types of the church. No, a type is prophetic, and when it's fulfilled, it's the anti-type. Nowhere in the New Testament does it tell us that Elijah or Enoch are a type. It doesn't give us a fulfillment. They're parallels, but they're not types. Okay? We ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the redemption or adoption of our body. Paul says in Romans 8, 23. We're looking for the Lord to come for us. Revelation 4, 1, I heard a voice like a trumpet. Come up here, and I will show you the things that must take place. Listen, metatelta, after this, what? Chapter 2 and 3 is what? The church age. After the churches, chapter four, verse one, we're in heaven. After the churches, uh, the church is removed to heaven. The first seal is open, and the man of sin is revealed on a white horse with a bow, but no arrows. He conquers through diplomacy. If you've been impressed with Obama, you're going to really like the Antichrist. <laughs> if you're left behind, false peace. First three and a half years. The restrainer holding back the full manifestation of evil through the appearance of the Antichrist is the church, not the Holy Spirit. The world is not ruled by the Holy Spirit and those during the tribulation period. The non-believer is not ruled by the Spirit of God. But the Holy Spirit is the restrainer through the church. So, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, it tells us the restrainer until it's removed. Who's the restrainer? The church. The church is the one that says no to abortion, no to pornography, no to evil. We are the restrainer. When the church is removed, do you realize how dark this world's going to be? The Holy Spirit's going to be here because the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and of judgment. You get saved by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Not the church, I've never saved anybody. If you think I saved you, you're still lost. Okay? The word falling away can mean from the faith of removing, of removal of the church in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, either one. Now, the promise is that we shall always be with the Lord here in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Once we're raptured, we're going up to the clouds, we're with Him and our loved ones. The believer will return to heaven with Jesus for seven years and return with him to set up the kingdom. Jesus promised this distinction. He distinguishes from the coming with the saints from the saints, as we read in the opening of John 14, 1 through 3. He's going to receive us to himself. At the rapture, all go to heaven. At the second coming, we all come back to earth. At the rapture, Jesus receives us to himself. At the second coming, Jesus receives those who have been saved during the tribulation, and they go into the kingdom at the second coming jesus receives those who have counted the cost some of them will be decapitated and killed and others will make it through in a way that we don't understand that is why it is so difficult for it was so difficult for his disciples to accept the concept of him going to heaven again Because the Jewish mind, they were expecting Jesus to set up the kingdom. They were Jewish, the present age, the evil age, and the golden age is the age to come. He's going to set up the kingdom. They never saw the church age in between. And that's why they were always asking, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? Now Paul declared, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 3 and 4. John says this beloved now are we the children of God though it does not yet appear or reveal what we shall be but when we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is and everyone who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure first John 2 2 3 listen to me very carefully the greatest hope of the coming of Jesus Christ the greatest incentive for holy living is he can come back at any time are you with me be real careful Then there's the nature of his church, uh, the nature of his coming for his church. It's eminent. Jesus gave many parables of the evil stewards who did not know the time of his master's return and were found drinking and mistreating their servants. You're familiar with those. The words of Jesus were, "Pray and watch that you be ready to escape all these things and to be accounted worthy to stand before the Son of Man." What are these things? The Great Tribulation, Matthew twenty-one, thirty-six. Our bodies will be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Not to be confused with the seventh trumpet of Revelation. Paul is speaking in 1 Corinthians fifteen, fifty-one through fifty-two. Will be changed. Philippians three, twenty. Colossians three, four. The last trump in Corinthians and Thessalonians is not the last trump of the book of Revelation, which many people confuse and conflate. John clearly shows that after the church age is over, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, then the church is present in heaven, in chapter 4 and 5, singing the song which no one can sing except the church. Right before the tribulation and great tribulation ends, we are up in heaven. We're worshiping the Lord. Revelation 5, 9 through 10. Now, the day of the second coming is given to us by Daniel. Ready? 1,290 days from the abomination that causes desolation. Daniel 12, 11. And Jesus gives you the marker. Matthew twenty four fifteen. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, the Jew and anybody left flee to the wilderness. But who flees to the wilderness? Who has to worry about the housetop and on the Sabbath day? Jewish ground. Simple. The day of the rapture, no one knows. Therefore, we are to watch and pray always that we may be kind of worried to escape those things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man again. Luke 21:36 you have to look at all these distinctions all these contrasts you have to look at the whole picture only Luke's gospel tells us the fact that we are to be worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the world the wrath of God have you ever thought why once again Matthew was writing to the Jew the Jew will go through the tribulation in fact the tribulation and great tribulation is to prepare the Jew for their Messiah Matthew um, focuses on those that rejected the Messiah. Jesus said, I came in my name, you rejected me. There's one coming in his own name, you will receive him, Antichrist. Wow. Mark wrote to the Romans, who condemned and crucified Jesus. It's a real fast gospel. Luke wrote to the Greeks or the Gentiles, who God would call out as his bride. And of course, the Gospel of John is to the church. And Jesus there in John 14, 1 through 3 mentions the rapture for the first time. The disciples could not get used to the concept again of Jesus leaving the heaven. Because they had that Jewish mentality. So they kept asking, even after the resurrection in Acts 1, 6-8, Will you at this time, now, you're going to set up the kingdom? It's not for you to know the time or the seasons. kairos and chronos. Specific times and chronological time. Now, Rick Warren says that Jesus meant there that we're not to be concerned about prophecy. What a deceiver. Are you kidding me? Now, Jesus, Rick Warren. Who am I going to believe? God says, be separate from all people who are teaching heresy and everything. Greg Laurie calls everybody to go to Sousa now and to hook up with all these guys that are heretics. Whom I believe, Greg Laurie or Jesus? Wow. To me, my choice is easy. Wow. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, Calvary Chapel believes and teaches the overwhelming evidence of premillennial, pre-tribulation view of rapture. Can we find some difficulties? Of course we can. This is the least amount of difficulties and it lines up the best through the dispensations that God has for us. So, I am not looking for Jesus, for Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. How about you? The rapture of the church is the blessed hope of the believer um, based on the promise of Jesus as we've seen. Um, the promise of the church of Thyatira was and I gave her time to repent for her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into the sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into the great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Revelation 2.21-22. This is the only part of the church that will go through tribulation. You want to be part of it? You're welcome to it. The promise of the church of Philadelphia is because you have kept my command and persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world, earth dwellers, to test those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 3.10. This is the part of the church that will not go through tribulation. I want to be part of that. The promise to the church of Laodicea was, and I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Revelation 3, 15 through 16. This is the warning to all who are lukewarm. Are you lukewarm? Do you have one foot in the church? The other one in the world? You sleep with your girlfriend last night? Your boyfriend? You get loaded last night? You go and get smashed? I'm glad you're here, but that's lukewarm. Okay? You can put a hot cup of tea here, ice-cold glass of water here, go away, come back in three hours, they're both lukewarm. You can become lukewarm from either end. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Make sure you're a doer of the Word of God. You're being part of the church. You're growing. You're looking for Him. Critical time, ladies and gentlemen. This is the warning. We're to pray and watch that we always are kind of worthy to escape all these things that will come upon the world and stand before the Son of Man, Luke twenty one thirty six. So, this is the doctrine of the rapture examined through Scripture, through the threefold lens, the early church fathers on the rapture. They believed in the rapture. The four different views of the rapture, we believe pre trib, premillennial. And the overwhelming evidence for the premillennial, pre rapture is very clearly defined all the way through. And so, may God give us wisdom and may we stand looking for Him and living for Him, ready to appear before Him. Lord, thank you for your love, your goodness, your grace. And we pray that you would just have your way with us. Lord, help us to be a light in this very dark world, in this time, in our nation, in the world. That we would bring all glory and praise to you. As you're praying, if you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe over the internet or over the radio, if you believe Jesus is God who became man, died for your sins, and rose from the dead, Then he says that you can call upon him and he will forgive you of all your sins and make you his child by grace through faith. He took your place on the cross. The Father poured out his wrath on him that you may be accounted righteous on him what he did. That's called being born again. It comes through repenting of your sins. If you want to accept Christ Jesus through repentance and know that your sins are forgiven, cast in the deepest ocean, as far as Jesus is the west and behind his back, this is your prayer of repentance to the Lord, not to us, but to him. He's going to save you right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.